Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, there we are. Beautiful. All right, did you just have good highlights? Yeah? Sweet. I'm glad. Okay. Well, let's play, let's play a game. You ready for a game? It's pretty simple. It's a word association game, right? So I say word, and you say the first thing that jumps into your head. It's pretty simple. You can say it to me. You can say it to the person next to you. Ready? Winter. Oh. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. McDonald's. Cool. Okay. Justin Bieber. Man, you guys made the most noise for him. Wow. Okay. The church. <laughs> All right. See, for those other words, you had a lot to say. I said the church, and some of you felt like you should say yay, but the rest of you didn't really know what to say, it seems to me. You kind of went quiet and went, yay! See, the funny thing is that this week, we're spending a week talking about the church. It's a word that we throw around all the time, but it's actually a pretty hard thing to nail down. What is the church? It's actually not an easy question to answer. See, what do you think of in your head this time when, when you think of the church? What are you picturing there? It, do, do you think of a building? Do you think of a person, like a minister or a pastor or something like that? <laughs> do you think of a denomination, which is a group of churches who are banded together, the Anglican and Baptist and blah, blah, blah? Do you think of this gathering on a Sunday where people dress up and wear funny hats and stuff like that? I don't know, maybe you do. Do you think of just some of the people in this room? I don't know, maybe you do. (laughs) This question matters a lot. What is the church? This question matters. We can get rid of that slide. This question matters because, as we saw yesterday, the church is at the very centre of what God is doing in the world. The church is a blessing from God to us. The church is something that Jesus died to create and the church is a trophy to the glory of God. So the church is right at the centre of what God's doing in the world. So what actually is it? What's the church? And what's more, if we can figure out what the church is, what should the church be like? These are questions that matter a lot and they'll help us in a whole bunch of ways. If we can get clear on these questions, it'll do a whole bunch of things for us tonight. It's going to help us in a lot of ways. It'll help us to understand what's going on when people who say they belong to the church do terrible things to other people. And you're like, what's with that? This person's supposed to be part of the church, but look what they're doing to other people and and that's really confusing. It'll help us to understand that even though we we talked yesterday about how magnificent the church is, how glorious and incredible it is and yet to our human eyes it can actually look pretty pathetic at times, can't it? It can actually look pretty small and weak and, and so you wonder how does all of that work? Well, when we answer what is the church and get clear on that, it'll open up a whole bunch of stuff for us. It'll do It'll be an amazing thing as as we think through all this stuff together. So let's pray and dig into the Bible tonight and work out the answer to those two questions. What is the church and what should the church be like? Let's pray. Join me. Father God, I pray that tonight you would open our eyes to see the church for what it is. Please, Lord, be clear from your word to us tonight. Please 
help me to explain difficult things in a way that is easy to understand and truthful to your word. And I pray that we'd listen hard, keep us from distraction. I pray that you would bless us through your word tonight. Amen. All right. Now, the first two points of tonight's talk are quite long, right? And then it's going to go a lot quicker after that. So there's a quick warning. And the other thing to say is the first two points we're going to see are almost like a paradox, something that sounds like it almost contradicts each other. You don't know what the word paradox is, that's okay. It seems like they're contradictory. And so the first two things we're going to see is that the church is visible and the church is invisible. That's what a paradox is. You're like, what? That doesn't make sense. You'll see why in a second. Here's the first point. You can see it in your books there. The church is a visible gathering centered on Jesus. Now, our Bibles, this is a bit confusing, but I have to do this to make this sense for you. Our Bibles are written in ancient Greek originally, right? The New Testament's written in ancient Greek. And our English Bibles often translate the word ecclesia into the word church, all right? So when you see the word the church written in your Bible, which is just all open up and point to a page, you'll probably find the word church there. That's the word ecclesia. Now, that word literally just means a gathering. That's the literal translation of that word. So, ecclesia equals the church equals the gathering. They're all the same word. And so, come to Acts 19 with me and see an unusual use of the word ecclesia. Come to Acts 19. And I want you guys to see if you can spot the word ecclesia in this passage. Come to Acts 19 with me and have a look at this. Acts 19, verse 32. So, this word, it pops up all the time in the Bible. You'll see the word church, to the church in Ephesus. Say hello to the church. The church is rad. You know, the Bible doesn't say that. But you read this word and the word behind that is this word, ecclesia. Let's see if we can find it in Acts chapter 19, verse 32. Now, what's going on in this passage is that Paul is in a city called Ephesus, right? And he's ruining these guys' business because they sell idols for a job and Paul's preaching the gospel and people don't want idols anymore. And so everyone's angry at Paul and a big mob has joined, like formed, okay? Acts chapter 19, verse 32, check it out. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing and some another. And most of the people didn't even know while they were there. Now, that's a funny little verse to read, isn't it? But did, you, did anyone spot the word ecclesia in that verse? None of you can read Greek, I assume, but in your English Bibles, what do you reckon the word ecclesia is? The assembly. The angry mob of people who gathered together were in confusion and they didn't know why they were even there. That's the word church. Same word. And so what that means is that in the Bible, as the word church is used talking about the Christian church, that's a Christian gathering centered around Jesus, but the word is just a gathering of people. It's just any old people who've got together. And so on the one hand, the church is simply just a gathering, visible gathering, centered on Jesus. I'll give you an illustration of what I'm trying to say here. So we'll go to one slide here. This is a football ecclesia. This is a football church. I tried to get a pitch with people I knew. I couldn't find one. This is a surf life-saving church. This is a nerd church. It's a land party, right? And this is a Jesus church. And can you see the picture? That's you guys. There you go. All right. That's a Jesus church. So first and foremost, the church is simply just a visible gathering of people centered on Jesus. So there is a sense in which right now this is the church gathered right here. Now, does that mean if 
one of you goes for a surf with your mate who's a Christian, you're at church together. No, you're not, because that's going for a surf centred around surfing. But if you were to gather around God's Word, gather around the person of Jesus, um, there is a sense in which that is what well, is kind of church. And so what does this mean? Well, for starters, picture, this is not a church. That's a church building. Go to the next slide. That's not the church. That's a church minister, a church pastor, a church leader. Next one, that's not the church, that's some church denominations, groupings of churches. Actually, what it does mean, in fact, is that EV Church is sort of a church. It is a gathering centred on Jesus. And so I hope that you realise that week, this week, as we're talking about the church, most of what we're saying does actually apply to EV youth as the church gathered as well. Now, I do need to clarify what I mean by that because there's some ways in which EV Church isn't everything that a church is and so it's worth, recon- it's worth recognising that. So, I'll give you a few clarifications what I mean when I say EV Youth is effectively a church. So, first thing, a healthy church should also include the right sort of leadership, leadership that is accountable and appropriate leadership to, to lead a church. And so, for EV Youth, there's a sense in which people like myself and other people are the leaders of this church called EV Youth, but there's a reality in which the leadership of EV Youth also comes from the wider church that we're connected to called EV Church and all these other congregations that exist. So we share leadership here at EV Youth. There's leadership that are leading you guys that you don't even really know are there. Secondly, a healthy church is actually one that has a diversity of ages as it gathers together and particularly it's a church that has families going to to church together. I think that's a healthy part of what it means to be in church. And so what that means is, although Friday night might be an expression of church for you as you gather at youth group, another expression of, of church for you guys, if you've got Christian families, is that you go to church on the weekend as a family. That might be that you come to church and then go to 24-7, but you're still going to church together, or you might come to church with your family and serve at EV Kids and so on. That's still a healthy expression of what church is in partnership with this thing that we do on a Friday night called EV Youth. And thirdly, it's worthwhile recognising that EV Youth is not independent as a church. If we were kind of cut off from EV Church and left on our own, we'd die. Uh, No one would be able to pay the bills, there'd be a whole lot of things that would fall over because the rest of the church at EV Church is supporting us. So there's a whole bunch of ways in which we're not an independent church, but when we gather on a Friday night, it is church for you guys still. Does that make sense? You might have questions about that. You can ask me more questions if you'd like to do that. But what that means is that as we talk about the church this week, almost all of what we're saying applies to us, either youth, as a gathered church of Jesus. Point number one, the church is a visible gathering centred on Jesus. And the fancy word for this is the visible church, right? There's a word you'll find around the place. But there's lots more to see about what the church is. And here's where it starts to get trippy. So kind of get ready for this. It gets a bit weird because secondly, the church is an invisible, heavenly reality that's centered on Jesus as well. Now, what, what the heck does that mean? What does it mean that it's an invisible, heavenly reality? It is pretty trippy and I'm going to do my best to help us see this. Come over in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, which is where we read from before. 
and work out how the church is an invisible heavenly reality. <laughs> All right, Ephesians chapter 2. Um, now, the context here is, is a little bit like what I said yesterday when I had my Harry Potter picture that didn't work, and so sorry about that. But the context here is that Paul is talking about the fact that in the past, there was this division that existed between Jews God's people and the rest of the world, the Gentiles, right? And that division was like, you know, bigger than Harry Potter and Voldemort. But that thing has changed now. That division has been crushed. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 13. Look at verse 13. But now, something's changed. In Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, who's that talking about? Who were once far away from God? The Gentiles, you who were once far away, have been brought near by the blood of, of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, Jews and Gentiles, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments, commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself, listen to this, one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Now, there was a lot of stuff in there, probably more stuff than we're going to get to get our heads around tonight, but that's all right. Notice two things about what those verses were saying. Number one, the cross reconciled people back to God. Verse 13, if you look at your Bibles, you'll see it. It says that people have been reconciled back to God in relationship with God, brought back together people to God. But secondly, notice that Jesus' death brings about an incredible new unity between people, between those two, two, those two groups, Jews and Gentiles. Verse 15, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity joined together to remove the division of Jews and Gentiles that was once there and unite them together and so what that means is this Jesus's death deeply unites anyone who trusts in Jesus if you put your trust in Jesus you're brought back to relationship with God and you're united to a whole bunch of other people as well. It conquers the deepest divisions that might exist in our world. In Galatians chapter 3, don't flick there, but just look on the screen, listen to this. Galatians chapter 3 verse 28, listen to this. There is neither, there is now neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for all are one in Christ. Now his point isn't that those things cease to exist anymore, his point is that those divisions don't exist anymore. It's not like there's this, this group and that group, but they're all now one in Christ. Jesus creates an incredible, deep unity between all people who know him. It's an absolutely profound thing that happens when a person becomes a Christian. They become united into this people. Now, there's a fancy word for this that we sing in one of our songs, and we might be singing it later on tonight. In that song where we, it's called, the song's called I Believe, and you just sing a bunch of stuff that we believe. One of the lines, have you ever heard the line, I believe in the communion of the saints? And you're like, I believe in the communion of the saints, I hope, because I don't know what that is. Yeah, you ever sung that song? Yeah, that's talking about this, the unity of Christians. That's the communion of the saints. Communion's a word for 
unity, kind of, <laughs> and saints is the word for Christian. Anyway, so this is talking about the, un- the uh, communion of the saints. Now, there's another fancy theological word that you can just kind of lock away if you want. Now, I've just been talking about this invisible heaven real- heavenly reality of this unity, this thing that I'm describing as the church, right? A fancy word for that is the universal church, okay? So on one hand, you've got the visible church, and it's just us gathered here together. This is the visible church, people who turn up to a gathering about Jesus, visible church. Universal church is the union of all Christians throughout all time who are united together in Jesus. That's the universal church. The universal church is a little bit like being in a family, right? Sometimes family is just a thing that just happens to people. So your sister who lives in another state might have a baby, right? And then suddenly you've got this new family member, but you don't, you've not even met them yet. It's not like you've become united to them by hanging out with them lots. They've just born into this thing and you're like, oh, now this person's in my family and I'm united to them. The universal church is a little bit like that. It just kind of happens to you and you are united to these people. When, when Shion became a Christian, you became united to him if you were a Christian, even though you hadn't met him yet. If you were to try and look at the invisible church, it would be, and, and we lived in science fiction land, it would be a little bit like using the machine Cerebro from X-Men. Okay? I'll see if I can paint this picture for you. You know, in X-Men, some of you have seen it, some of you haven't. Professor Xavier's got this crazy machine and he goes on and puts on a helmet and then he can see all the people in the world at once and then he uses his machine to spot who the mutants are and he's like, not mutant, not mutant, oh, mutant, mutant. And he kind of, he can see all the people at once and he can see who the mutants and who aren't the mutants kind of thing. So he can view the worldwide mutant population, right? It would be a little bit like that if you wanted to view the invisible church. You'd put your helmet on and you'd look around and you'd be like, oh, there's lots of... There's lots of Christians in this room, but there's some who aren't. And, and you'd see the world and you'd be able to see them all, right? But imagine if the machine had a button that you could press. And what that meant, <laughs> this is a bit crazy, but it would mean that you could also see all the people in the world who don't exist yet and all the people in the world who've already died all at once. And you'd be like, there's the church. Those people who lived back then and those people who don't exist yet and those people who live now, there's the universal church, Trippy kind of picture, especially if you haven't seen X-Men, and I'm sorry if you haven't, right? But you get the point. All true Christians from all over the world, from every time in history, united in Jesus. That's the universal church. I told you guys it would get trippy. What that means is this, guys, if you're a Christian here tonight, You are are deeply united to Christians in Kenya who are right now being persecuted for being Christians and you haven't even met them yet and yet you are deeply connected to them as Christians. You are deeply connected to Christians who lived 500 years ago in England who you won't ever meet until you get to heaven but you'll have a relationship with them for all eternity when you get there. You're united to people who go to other churches in the town next to you or whatever. Even if you've never visited their church, you are united to them because of Jesus' death that has gathered you together. There's a deep unity that already exists. And that unity conquers all barriers, even death itself. And one day that unity will be fully expressed in heaven and it will be incredible and it will go on forever. Now, for a little while, though, 
There's all sorts of little things that get in the way of us physically being together. And so Christians are physically separated from each other by death and and by mountains and oceans and languages and cultural differences. And there's all sorts of things in the way for now. But the reality is, one day, this universal church will be gathered together around the Lord Jesus and that will last into eternity. And so even now, you are deeply united with all those who know Jesus. And so on one level, the church is a simple, visible gathering centred on Jesus. That's true of the church. But on another level, the church is a profound, invisible, heavenly reality, which we're yet to fully experience, but one day we will see it with our eyes. There's two different definitions of what the church is, which are both true. Who's tripped out by that? Is that crazy? Yeah, a little bit. I got one hand and some sleepy people. Wake up, guys. This is some crazy stuff. It's awesome. I want to apply this for us, right? I need a drink first. I said the first two points will be long, so you've done well to stick with me. This means a bunch of things. I'll give you the first thing. First of all, guys, we don't need to create unity between Christians. We don't need to make unity happen. Jesus died to make unity happen. So unity is a dumb thing. You are united to all those who trust in Jesus. That's as secure as your salvation in Jesus. It's a dumb thing. But let me quickly follow that up by saying this. We must express our unity rightly as Christians. So just because unity is a done thing, it's like saying, I am family, I'm family with my family whether I like it or not, that doesn't mean for a second that you can then say, well, because unity is done and I am united to Christians, that I can treat Christians badly. No, it's just the opposite of that. Because you are united, you should express your unity with other Christians rightly. And so all of us need to work at loving our Christian brothers and sisters and relating to them as people who were united with that's an amazing thing and guys nowhere is that harder to do express our unity rightly than right here among us at eva youth because right here is where we rub shoulders with sinful people and sometimes it gets painful and hard and it's challenging we need to express our unity rightly here at eva youth So even here tonight at FAT, some of us are from Peninsula Youth, some of us are from Erina Youth, some of us um, might go to church on a weekend at Saturday EV, some of us might go to night EV or to morning church or whatever. There's some real cultural differences that exist here in this group of people called EV Youth. My prayer is that it would never be the case that different tastes and different kind of hobbies and different just kind of lifestyles would be things that would bust up our unity in the way it's expressed, that would bust up the expression of our unity here in the way we love each other. Even within your G team here at EV Youth, there'll be people that you don't get very well. You'll be like, I get this person, they're my friend, but you're a little bit strange to me. There'll be people in your G teams who it's hard to express unity and love towards. There'll be people you don't click with. There'll be people that you don't have much in common with. There'll be all sorts of things like that that go on. But if that person's a Christian, 
you, you two share the most important thing and that is that you both know Jesus and that should bring more, that should bring more love and connect you more than anything else, that you both know the same Lord Jesus and so you're, you are united around him. I'll say this a different way, right? Even, even Hitler had friends who he knew how to kind of be nice to. The worst people in the world still know how to kind of treat their closest friends nice. So it's not really much of an accomplishment if you're okay at loving your friends who are your close friends who you're always with all the time and and that's that. That's nothing special. Anyone can do that. The thing that's meant to be unique about Christians is that people from all backgrounds or very different from each other in whole bunches of ways come together and express the fact that they are united in Jesus, even though they're different. That is what's amazing about the church. Not that people who you pretty, get on pretty well with can just hang out anyway. That's, that's not amazing at all. And so, brothers and sisters, express your unity rightly here at EV Youth in the way you relate to each other. So important that we get this right. Love each other. Tolerate differences. No, celebrate differences between yourselves. Because if you can be that different and yet still be united around Jesus, that's actually amazing. Glory to God for that, that people who are so different could be like that. You ever been at the beach and seen a bunch of people who look really odd hanging out? You like go to Terrigal Beach, right? And you see like a gang of buff guys and then this crew and that crew. And then you see this group of like hectic, buff looking, scary person, chick wearing a skirt down to her ankles all these people, they're all different ages and it's just a weird group of people. I see these people, like 40 people, trying to play volleyball together or whatever and they're like, suck at volleyball but the guys aren't doing anything too aggressive and you're like, why are those people all hanging out together? That looks really weird. Nine times out of ten, it's because it's a church (laughs) and you're like, that's why they're hanging out. They all know Jesus even though they would never hang out if it weren't for the fact of that. That's wonderful. Third thing, third application from this invisible and universal church, sorry, visible and invisible church. How do we apply this? I've got a diagram, right? Check out this snazzy diagram I drew myself. Okay, the circle on my right is the visible church. So that red section that overlaps, right, that's the visible church. That is Christians who gather in churches on any given weekend or whatever, you know. That's people who are gathering in physical church gatherings, the visible church. The circle on the, my left that overlaps with that one in the middle is the invisible church. And this is just labelled, so you should be able to work that right. But this is all true Christians, okay, the, the, the green circle. And then they overlap in the middle. So let me talk about where those three sections are. The middle where those two bits intersect is the easiest one to understand because what's going on there is it's t- that's a picture of people who go to physical church gatherings called the visible church and they belong to the true church. So they are Christians. And that's a large chunk of who the Christians in the world are is those who attend visible church gatherings, right? But it is possible, like I said last night, it is possible to belong to the invisible church, that is be a true Christian, sorry, it's this side, belong to the visible church, invisible church, be a Christian but not go to a church gathering. That's possible, but just a really crazy way to live your Christian life that's probably going to end badly, right? It's also possible 
very possible that you could attend a visible church gathering, be in the visible church, this thing called Eva Youth or whatever other church or whatever, but not be a true Christian. That's possible as well. Can you see how this diagram is helpful? Right? And these two terms are helpful. That's what's going there. And so, oh man, whew, I'm, I'm, I'm getting excited here. Um, you need to know this, guys. It's possible to belong to a visible church, perhaps EV youth, right? Get along here and not be a Christian. There are many people all over the world who go to church every weekend. They sing songs about Jesus. They say amen to prayers. They sit through sermons politely. But at the end of the day, they don't actually know Jesus. And to our eyes, we can't tell who's who in this visible church. Who actually is the true church? I can't know that just by looking at you all. But I want to say this, guys. It's not enough just to look like a Christian. It's not enough just to think you're a Christian. You actually need to be a Christian. Jesus says that one day there'll be many people he'll meet at the end of time who'll say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do this? Didn't I do that? I thought I knew you. And Jesus will say, get away from me. I never knew you. It's not enough just to look like a Christian. And so some of you guys here will probably be wondering, am I someone who just goes to the visible church, gathers in a visible church, but am I not a true Christian, a member of the invisible church? Is that me? Maybe. Some of you may be wondering, well, I don't go to the visible church either. I'm just rocked into this camp and I'm not really sure where I'm at. I'm not sure if I'm a Christian or not. You might have that question. Maybe you know you're not a Christian. Whichever one of those places you're at, though, I want to say this. Listen, this is the most important thing you'll hear tonight if this is you. The answer is the same. Put your trust in Jesus, the one who died to save you, to deal with your sin. Put your trust in him as your saviour, who saves you from your sin and is your Lord who will now run your life. If you're not really sure where you're at with Jesus or you're crystal clear that you're not a Christian, both of you should do the same thing. Make sure your trust is in Jesus and your sin will be dealt with and you can have assurance of where you're at with God. You can join in to this invisible church, the people of God. Put your trust in him. Okay, guys, that's what the church is, right? There's my best shot at a description of what the church is. But what does God want from his church? That's the next question I want us to answer, but I reckon I'm going to get you to stand up and then we're going to do like eight more minutes together and then we're done, okay? So stand up right now, though, and just be like, woo! Okay, play a song for us and everyone's going to give us a quick jig, all right? Some Taylor Swift, play some Tay-Tay. Do it. Do it. Sorry, I caught the sound guys by surprise. <laughs> Good. This is a bit sleepy. Dance like Sophie, everyone. It's her birthday. All right, when the chorus comes on, we're going to sing and then it's going to be over and we're going to sit down. It's going to be good. I'm not going to sing though.
For just a little bit there. Alright, alright, find your seat. You're all awake now, that's good. For just like a glimpse of a second, right, it was like I was in a movie and the room was um, like just singing on their own at the end of a movie when you wouldn't do that in normal life. It was great. So thank you for that experience. Alright. We've just seen what the church is, invisible and visible, and what I want to do is just quickly look at two things that show us what the church is like. You've actually got three points in your book, truth, love, and holiness, right? Wrong order. We're not even going to do that truth one. That one's gone, so put a line through it or draw a smiley face, right? We don't have time for it. We're just going to do two quick ones, and we're going to see what is the church like? We know what it is. What's it like? The true church first of all, is a community marked by holiness. Come over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 with me. We're going to see holiness. Okay. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 3. Check this out. You ready? It is God's will... Sorry, I've jumped the gun. Find 1 Thessalonians. Should have seen how good we jumped the gun this morning at seniors on the Bible reading. People were in uproar. It was crazy. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. 1 Thess chapter 4, verse 3. Here it is. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Now, what does sanctified mean? It means to live, in this context, sanctified means to live a holy life. That word can mean other things in other contexts. But here... Sanctified means to live a holy life, to be distinctively different, to be unusual, but in a good way, unusual and different to the world around you. Now, how does God want us to be distinctive and different and unusual to the world around us? Does he want us to sing Taylor Swift in large groups and just be weirdos? No. Have a look at verse 3. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each one should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honourable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. So our holiness, our distinctiveness is to come from the way we live. Our lives are to be holy, they're to be different. Now, in this section, Paul's specifically focusing on our sexuality, right? But the same thing applies to all aspects of our lives. So we're to be unique, we're to be unusual to the world around us in the way we talk, in the way we act at work, at school, in in the way we use alcohol, in the way we choose to not steal our music and our television off the internet in, in the way that in every aspect of our lives we're to be unusual, we're to stick out. People are like, what's with those Christians? They're different. And in fact, look at what it means if someone denies this call in their lives. Look at verse 7. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you His Holy Spirit. 
when we reject this call in our lives to live a holy life and say, no, that's not for me, I refuse to live that way, you're not rejecting some leader named Jono who said you should live a certain way, you're rejecting God. The true church is marked by holiness. And so are we living holy lives? That's the question that all of us need to ask. And I'm not talking just to youth, I'm talking to leaders, resource, sound guys, myself. Are we living a holy life? The example Paul goes with here is your sexuality. Are you living a holy life in your sexuality? What that would mean would be not having sex outside of marriage, saving that for marriage. It would mean not pushing the boundaries with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. It would mean not looking at porn. It would mean not living with lust in your heart and in your minds. Brothers and sisters, we live in a terribly broken world that has a twisted view of God's good gift of sex. Sex is a good thing. Christians aren't against sex, but our world has taken this good gift and we've just messed it up. We've just twisted it into an ugly, fake version of this thing that God made called sex. I don't know if you realise that's the world that you live in. And so guys, strive to live radically different to the world around you when it comes to your sexuality. If you want to be challenged more on this and think more about this together, a really good thing might be to get along to the Guys and Girls Seminar on Saturday Arvo. It'll be a really good time to think more about this and be challenged. But what do you do if you fail at this stuff, right? What do you do if you've already messed up, like so many of us have? Well, know that if your trust is in Jesus, your sin is already covered. Even the worst things you could imagine is still covered by Jesus and so trust in his death on your place and know that you are forgiven you don't have to work it off you don't have to completely turn your life around and make it perfect and then you are forgiven no no you are forgiven by Jesus because it's about what he's done not what you do so no forgiveness in Jesus and when you get that clear repent and continue to trust in Jesus whose death covers your sin and strive to change and grow and be different and go to that seminar tomorrow, you can get some tips and all that kind of stuff. But first and foremost, know your sin is covered and then push on. Last point for us tonight, here it is. The last thing that Jesus wants from his church that we can cover tonight because there's lots more that could be said. Last thing though, that the true church is a community marked by love. This is probably the most distinctive thing about Jesus' church. Last passage tonight, come to John chapter 13. So go back a little bit in your Bibles to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse 34. This is Jesus talking to his followers. John chapter 13, verse 34. Ready? A new command I give you, love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. That's how you recognize Christians. They love each other. 
That's what should make us distinctive in the world. And this kind of love is costly. It's selfless. It's it's sacrificial. It's the kind of love where you lose so that someone else can win type love. The kind of love that puts others in front of yourselves. (laughs) People notice when you love like that. A few years ago, I worked in a youth refuge, right, which was for, for teenagers whose lives had just fallen apart and they'd gone through really hard stuff and they'd become homeless, right? So I met some really needy teenagers for years. My job was to spend hours with these guys, basically living in this house with them, just doing life with them. And, uh, and the, these guys were, like, they were abused, they were drug addicted, they were used by people around them, they you know, abandoned teenagers. I remember one girl who'd been living in this house for quite a few weeks and uh, so we'd hung out a bunch with the rest of the house. I'm losing my balance. We'd hung out a lot, right? And um, one time I'm in the office and I'm just reading my Bible. And she came in the office and she was like, ah, Bible. And I thought she was about to tease me for being a Christian and working out that I read the Bible. And I was like, oh, here it goes. And she's like, I get it. I know why you're nice now. And I was like, oh, oh, that's a nice surprise. And she said, I know why you're nice. I know why you treat me different to the other guys around. It's because you're a Christian. (laughs) And I think what she meant by that was, I know why you're not trying to take advantage of me like everyone else in the world. You're a Christian. (laughs) Um, And I hadn't done anything that amazing. I just treated her like she should have been treated as, as a Christian should have treated her. But, and I'm not bragging by telling this story. My point is simply this. It's a great thing when people recognize love has been something that Jesus has put there. Does that make sense? It's a great thing when, when people see our lives and point to God and say, oh, that's why you're like that. It's because you're a Christian. That's a wonderful thing. That's how it actually should be. That people would recognize us by our love. Jesus' desire is that his church would be made beautiful with love, that we'd wear it like a team jersey, that it would be like a flag the love flag, and they go, oh, there's the Christians, there's the love flag, that's where they're at. It's a community marked by love so that the outsider would see it and be attracted to it and know that that's where Jesus must be. Love is how everyone should know who the people of God are. And so, Eva Youth, (laughs) is this a place of love? What do you think? I think it is. I reckon it is, and, I, and I'm encouraged by it, but I want to say I reckon we can grow in it as well. I reckon we can grow in our love. See, I reckon we are the best at loving the people that we know the best. <laughs> we're, we're, we're the best at loving our friends, loving the people who are easiest to love among us. Who wouldn't love Jordan Francis? He's such a funny, lovely guy. Everyone can love Jordan Francis, right? But how are we going at loving the new person among us? Sorry, I picked on Jordan. I didn't know he was going to do that. But how are we going at loving the new person among us? How are we going at loving the people that don't have that many friends yet? Or even just the person who's just different to you? How are we going at loving them? So even this week at FAT, there will be people here who barely know anyone. And more than anyone, th- those guys need to be shown love among us. And there'll be people here this week who we assume 
feel like they fit and people, we assume that everyone knows them and they fit and they belong and so on, but they may be feeling the exact opposite of that, even if they look like they should fit in. There's all sorts of things going on in our lives and we don't realise it, we just know our lives and we assume everyone else's lives are perfect, but if you just talk to each other for like five minutes, you'll be like, ah, everyone around me's lives has got different things going on and there's love that isn't there and so on and so on. And so guys, this week is a tangible opportunity to love someone. Love lots of people this week. Get to know someone that you don't know this week. I've had a lot of people come up to me and complain that they're not in a team with their friends. Good! (laughs) Meet some new people. That's harsh, but I'm not talking specifically to anyone, right? Um, And sorry, sorry if you have asked me that you wanted to be in a team with your friends, right? But the point is, just meet some new people. It'll be all right. Be genuinely interested in some people. Give them your time. Introduce them to your, your friends. Get to know some different people. I, I really need to be clear. If you ask me about the whole team thing, uh, I wasn't trying to pick on you. The point is it's a great opportunity, right? So meet some new people. <laughs> now, sometimes our lack of love is even more obvious than that kind of stuff. Sometimes our lack of love, particularly kind of the younger crew of juniors, can be just seen in people actually literally just being bullies. I kind of thought that bullying wasn't really a thing anymore, like it just sounds too 80s to me, but it, they exist, right? You guys bully people. So people come in here expecting to find Christians, and, and maybe these people are Christians, I don't know, but they, they make their fun by just bagging people out and pushing around and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. It shouldn't be among God's people. Or maybe our lack of love isn't that obvious. Maybe it's a little bit more kind of, it's a bit nicer than that it's the kind of stuff that we say about other people when they're not around that little joke that little piece of gossip that just makes you feel pretty good makes you feel special like you're on the inn but you're getting that buzz by putting someone else down brothers and sisters love one another it's not easy this is hard for all of us i don't think any of us in the room should feel like this is an easy thing but it's what makes us distinctive as the church And so, guys, the church is visible and invisible, marked by holiness and love. That's the church that Jesus died to create, and it stands as a monument to his glory. Praise God for the church. Let's pray right now. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this thing called the church that you have created. Father, would you just... Help us to grasp it just a little better what it actually is and get our heads around how amazing it is that you would bring us together and make us one and crush all sorts of divisions among us by the unity that we have in the Lord Jesus. Help us to to get our heads around this all more and I pray that our lives would shout how good you are and, and show the world around us who we are in Jesus. Amen.